This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. And um, a lot of our songs were about that growing, changed hearts, changed lives. And that's what I titled my message this morning is the changed life. You know, one of the, when I was a kid, one of the experiments that I did, I used to like mucking around with things like that. We, we had um, little books, I suppose, or magazines and through it all with little experiments or little games you could play. But this time I was doing an experiment with some wheat. You could get some wheat, you had a saucer, you had to ask mum for a saucer, get an old one that she didn't want anymore. Put a little bit of cotton wool in it and keep some water in it, place the seeds of wheat into the cotton wool and push it down and I set it out on the tank stand up high enough so the chooks couldn't get it because the chooks love wheat. And then you go out every day. If you kept that, that moist, each day you would see that grain of wheat start to swell, and then after a while it would burst open and it would start to produce a plant. That's amazing just to see what would come out of that seed, that one little grain of wheat, this new plant would grow. But while it was in the saucer there, it couldn't, it couldn't go any further. It would just shoot. That's about all it would do because it couldn't go down. It couldn't get the roots down. But if you transplant that seed out into some fertile soil, it'll grow into a big plant. And a head of wheat will produce a lot of seeds. So it was really good to just watch that. But see, our lives come to be the same too. Yeah, we, we need to be planted in good soil. I'm just amazed, you know, with one, one seed or one kernel of, of corn can grow a plant this high, eight, nine foot high. It'll have usually one plant will have two cobs on it and when you strip off the leaves of that cob there's a lot of seeds inside that one cob one seed can produce a huge harvest but it's only when it's put into the right environment inside every seed is new life ready to come out but first the original seed must die and then be planted let's turn to John chapter 12 John chapter 12 verse 20 2.24, John 12.24. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Lord, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only one single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. Now in this section of scripture here, Jesus was predicting his death. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Just before this, Jesus, remember, he had raised Lazarus from the dead. He had healed the sick. He had opened blind eyes, the lame walk. A lot of people were turning to him and going after him. And the Pharisees, this absolutely infuriated them because they thought they were losing control. Instead of following them and their ways, they're going after this man called Jesus. So they tried to stop him. They tried to kill him. But every time they attempted to do something to get rid of him, it failed because it wasn't Jesus' time. But just now he knew that this was his time. When Andrew and Philip took their request to Jesus, it seemed like 
Jesus saw that the time of going around and ministering to everybody had come to an end. It was time for him to go to the cross. What these men from Greece, what they wanted to talk to him about, we don't know. Maybe they could see what was going to happen, so they were inviting him to come over to Greece. You can preach to us over there and you'll be safe over there. We don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus knew that this was now his time to go to that cross. The illustration of a grain of wheat falling to the ground and dying was that without death there is no life. And what Jesus was about to go through of dying on that cross, it was going to open up the way for all people to come into an experience of being with God. At that time there were these God-fearing Greeks and that's why they would have been in Jerusalem at that time. They come there to worship but they hadn't become Jews. They were called that they were able to come into the temple, but there was an outer court and an inner court, and the curtain was between, and they weren't allowed to go in. But what Jesus was about to do on the cross, it wasn't going to be very long down the road when that curtain was going to be torn from top to bottom, and then all would be able to come into that inner place where we can worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It was what Jesus did on the cross that opened up the way where all people could come in and worship the Lord God Almighty. This is the meaning of Jesus dying that through his death, new life would come. New life would be born in the hearts of people who would truly believe in him and be born again. Now, this is the whole principle of natural and spiritual. Exactly the same as in the natural, the seed must fall to the ground and die and it will produce new life. So too with Jesus went to die on that cross. He was only one man in one place at that time. But out of his death and the resurrection, new life would come to many. Now instead of being in one place, now his, his word and his presence would go all over the world. Nothing can sustain the love of Jesus going out. When we die to our old way of life, we're born again in, in Christ Jesus. We're a new creation, no longer living for self, but now living by faith to please our God. For the word says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Thanks for his word. So what are we to do with this new life? Well, the first point that I see is that we're called to serve. As we continue on with our reading there from verse 25 to 28 in John 12, the man who loves his life will lose it, but the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. For my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. This is why Jesus came. It wasn't going to be a nice thing to go through. He faced a horrible death on that cross. But it was all for love that he came to open up the way, to make it possible for us as Gentiles to be able to come into the inner court and worship. No longer is there Jew and Greek, Gentile. We're now all one in Christ. The way has been made open. For us to live a fruitful, productive life, we must, be die, we must die to ourselves and be raised to a new life in him who died for us. That old song goes, it's no longer I that liveth, 
but Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. We've now been called into a life of servanthood. Now Jesus displayed what that meant when he washed the disciples' feet. Now to them, that they thought this was the lowest of the low, but here is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, kneeling down and washing the feet of the disciples. But he did it as an example for us. We're not here to be served, we are here to serve. That's the love that he puts in our heart. This is the kind of selfless service that Jesus is calling us into, where we are prepared to die for him. We need a willingness in our hearts to follow him wherever he leads us and to serve him all the days of our lives. All he's looking for is an available, willing heart. Here I am, Lord, send me. Bring that new wine out of me. There might be some crushing and that going on, but Jesus, you can bring new wine out of me because he created us, he knows what's in us, and he fills us with his spirit. And so we can do what he calls us to do. He equips us, he enables us. You know, I met a lady once, she was in her 80s, dear old lady, been a Christian all her life. She said to me one day, I'm getting too, too, too old to serve anymore. She said, all I can do is pray for you all. My word, the Bible tells me that the prayers of a faithful servant avail much. So don't think that all I can do is pray. If you can pray, you're doing a great work. A faithful prayer of a, of a faithful servant avails much. God hears the prayers of a faithful heart and he is able to fulfil what, what that prayer is calling to do. God is our supply. Now, love should be the, the motivator of our heart. Let all things be motivated with a heart of love for his service. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verses 1 to 21. <clears throat> Living sacrifices. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it to in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You know, this kind of service is not easy, but it's essential if we're to spread the love of Jesus to those around about us. If we're to let his light shine in this dark world, we need to be available. We need to be able to associate with all peoples and not just our friends or the ones that we love. Jesus has called us to take his word into all the world. Freely we've received, freely we are to give. What God gives us is not just for us to build us up. He gives it to us that we can freely share it with others. Now our heart should always be, when we see a need, what can I do? What do I have to share? What do I have to give? Paul encourages us to serve with the sincerity of heart. We're to serve as a bond servant, not a servant. A servant does what he has to do. A bond servant serves because he wants to. This should be the attitude and motivation of our heart. I'm not serving to build myself up or I'm not serving because someone told me I had to. I'm serving because a God who loved me and brought me out of a miry mess put me on a firm foundation. He loved me even when I was dead and lost. How could I not serve him to take his love into all the world? Because he loves us so much. We need to show respect to those whom we work for. We need to serve them as if we were serving the Lord God Almighty. When we do this, this will be a good witness to, to them of a God who loves us. Second point I wanted to bring out is what are we to sow into? Now the proverb that goes, those who plough evil and sow trouble, reap it. What we, what we sow, we reap. What we, when we plough evil, sow trouble, that's what we reap back. So what are we sowing into? The prophet Hosea said, sow yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy, break up the fallow ground, for it is a time to seek the Lord till he comes and he rains righteousness on you. The idea of sowing seed is to grow a crop that will increase. The psalmist said, to sow fields and plant vineyards that you may yield a fruitful harvest. So the whole idea of sowing is it will produce a fruitful harvest. When we sow God's love, his grace and his mercy, we can expect a harvest of souls because that's what's going to reach them. It's that love of Jesus that touches people's lives and he will be drawn in because of the love of Jesus and because of his presence. You now, as a farmer, when you go to plant seed, there's a lot of work to be done. You don't just grab some seed and chuck it out. You know, you've got to work up the ground. Sometimes that ground comes up in big clods. You've got to break it up. You've got to fertilise it. You've got to water it. And when you get it ready, then it's ready to plant the seed. 
Make sure it's good seed because you can buy certified seed, which is clean, or you can buy uncertified seed, which has got contaminants in it. It's a lot cheaper, but when it grows, it's got a lot of other plants come up, a lot of weeds because it hasn't been certified, it hasn't been clean. And the seed that we sow is God's word, perfect and pure and wholesome. And that's the seed that we need to be planting in people's lives, his word. It's the same when we're sowing the love of Jesus into others' lives. Some of the soil of people's hearts is very hard. Through no fault of their own sometimes, they've been caught up in things that have caused them to be hard-hearted. Sometimes they've made mistakes themselves, gone down the wrong road. And that heart of their heart is hardened and it needs the power of the Holy Spirit to start working on that soil to break it up so that when the seed of God's word comes into these people's lives, the soil of their heart is ready to receive. We need to show them love and acceptance. One of the most powerful things we can do is to pray for them, show, show them kindness, encouragement, because when they see the Holy Spirit working in our lives, it'll draw them to come to Jesus. We don't, we don't want to be judgmental or harsh toward people, but loving and caring. And we can do that because of the love of Jesus, that agape love that he put in our hearts. Holy Spirit is the only one who can bring about a change of heart. So we need to pray for them that the Holy Spirit would be at working, preparing people's hearts so that when they come to that place, when you share the good news of the gospel with them, the heart will be ready to receive that seed. One plants, one waters, but God has promised the increase. So when you, whenever you're sharing the love of Jesus with people, when you're sharing the word of God with them, you're either planting a seed or you're watering a seed that someone else has planted. Whatever, whatever your part is, God has promised to do the increase. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. I just wish a lot of the leaders around the world understood at the moment that there's a God who's watching what they're doing and he guides them and he will have the final say in what happens in the world. They think that they're ruling and doing all kinds of wondrous things, but when you look at the scripture and you see what happens when a man's heart gets puffed up and thinks he's a somebody, there's a God over and above all that. One of the games we used to play as kids is, You'd stand on a towel or a mat and stand there and someone else would give it a tug. And Yeah, there were some good busters happened, but we're allowed to have busters in those days. We don't seem to be allowed to do that now. I don't know what, what happened to the change. But anyway, we used to have some good busters. But we always come up laughing, even though it hurts sometimes. But this is what God's like. These people who are so puffed up, God's got a hold of the mat and he can pull it out any time. They need to turn to him and know that he's the one that's reigning and ruling and not them. Only God himself and by the power of his Holy Spirit can change a man's heart. All we can do is to bring them a glass of water, but God can make that person thirsty. But the person has still got a choice. No, I don't want it. So it's a choice that everyone makes. Everyone has an opportunity to receive the hand of God and God can make them thirsty to want it, but they've still got that power, that choice to say, no, I don't want that. I'm not going down that road. And so the choice is theirs. We have no power of ourselves that will cause a man to drink. We rely totally on the Holy Spirit to change a man's heart. 
Now, man can change himself on the outside. We can do all kinds of things. That was one of the, the things that God revealed to me with the day I got saved was I looked all right on the outside, but inside it's full of dead man's bones. I needed to change on the inside. Without the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, any change on the outside is only temporary. We need to yield our hearts to Jesus. This is the message, to yield, to believe, to receive the loving grace and power of Almighty God through Jesus. We need to ask God to change our hearts, first for salvation and then for growth in our relationship with him. And as we grow in him, we grow in our relationship with those around us. Paul says, one sows, one waters, but God gives the increase. Now we must do our part. We must sow the word of God into people's lives and pray that the Holy Spirit will cause that to grow. A third point is God gives us a new heart. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27. It says there in verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities from your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my degrees and be careful to keep my laws. Now in the past when the Jews had to bring a sacrifice for their sins and so on, they brought the animals and that blood of the animals would cover their sin. And when they died, they would go to a place called paradise. But when Jesus came, not only were our sins covered, but our sins were totally redeemed. And those people are released from paradise. They're now with him in glory, all because the blood of Jesus doesn't just cover our sin, it sets us free from the bondage of it, from the curse of it. The curse of sin and death was broken on the cross of Calvary. There's no other redemption plan. It's all through the blood of Jesus on that cross. So when we come with repentant hearts, when we come truly believing that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and we confess with our mouth that he is Lord, our sins are washed clean. We are delivered and set free. We've got a robe put around us that's whiter than snow. Our past is forgiven. We are delivered and set free, and we reign with Christ, no longer just covered, totally delivered and set free. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross at Calvary sets us free by the washing and the cleansing and the renewing through Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's turn to Titus, a little letter at the back of the book, just after Timothy, before Hebrews. Great little letter, this one that Paul wrote to Timothy. Titus, Titus I mean not Timothy, he wrote letters to all of these young, young guys to in, encourage them and to, to build them up in the word of God. This is to Titus, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. At one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, 
being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Saviour, appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we'd done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out for us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have been trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies, arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Now, it's not our good works that saves us, but we are saved to do good works. That's the whole thing about it. We've had that change. We're not doing it for self anymore. It's all because of the love of Jesus that has changed us on the inside. We're put to death, that old sinful nature, and be alive to Christ. The scripture says that we died with Christ. We were buried with him in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead to the, by the glory of the Father, even so, we should walk in that newness of life. When we went through the waters of baptism, it was an acknowledgement that I've died to my old way of life and I'm declaring to the world that now I'm a new creation. I'm following after my Saviour and Lord. The old is gone and the new has come. I'm alive in Christ. We know that our old lives and hearts were not good, full of self, selfish ideas, but God's put a new heart in us. God spoke through Jeremiah saying, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. Now the day that I got saved, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit was showing me that I needed that cleansing on the inside. And when I asked Jesus to come into my heart and cleanse me on the inside, he forgave me of all my sins and he put a new heart in me, just as he promised. He promised that in his word and he fulfilled it in the outpouring of his spirit. And that's what we all need is to die to that old way of life. And if someone comes and brings up your old life, that's okay. That, that old life's dead and buried. You can kick it and drag it all you like. I'm now a new creation in Christ. My past is forgiven. My past is dead and buried. I'm now alive in Christ. Just as he promised in his word, he will take out a stony, cold heart and he places it with a heart of flesh, soft and pliable in his hands. That's what, that's what our Father's looking for, is a soft and pliable heart so that when he wants to shape us and mould us, we're able to do that. When we've got a stony, cold heart, you can't do anything with it. But God wants a soft and pliable heart. And that's what the love of Jesus does. King David asked the Lord to create in him a clean heart and to put a steadfast spirit within him. Now this is the joy of our salvation, that nothing can st stop the love of Jesus in our lives. And you know, when the, As we go through life, sometimes we fall off our bikes. There's Jesus ready to put us back on the bike. Say, come on, you can do this. 
I remember my dad saying he used to love his horses and he said the best thing you can do when you have a bad fall off the horse is to get straight back on. Because if you go away, it builds up something in your mind that, you know, that each day gets worse. Oh, that, that hurt. I'm not going to do that again. But Dad said to get straight back on and that's what we need to do when we mess up like King David did. He messed up big time. When the Holy Spirit revealed the thing he did, he ran to God. He didn't put it off. He ran to God and forgive me. And we need to do the same. We, we mess up. We fall off our bikes. But Jesus is ever ready to put us back on our bike. Come on, you can do this. Don't throw your hands in the air and say it's too hard. Our God is able. My word, This word of God says our God can do all things. All he needs is a willing, available heart. Come on, you can do this. Let me put you back on your bike. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he falls down, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his mighty hand. Proverbs 4.23 says, warns us to guard our heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Don't allow stuff to come into your heart that's not going to be good or beneficial. There's so much stuff in the world, a lot of stuff in the world now where you, know, you flick on your phone and all of a sudden you, know, you, you touch it sometimes. So, you know, I was sending my sister a text the other day and I got halfway through it and the word I was spelling was wrong. So I went to push it backwards to start again. Or I pushed the wrong button and my message went half done with incorrect spelling. <laughs> she texts back as though nothing happened. So <laughs> that's grace. But how easy these electronic things are to touch the wrong button. So we need to guard our heart. What are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we reading? Guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. Get out of the mouth the heart speaks. Fill our hearts with good things. For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. You know, there's an old song that goes, there's a change in me since Jesus set me free. I've been to Calvary. I've been born again. I cannot turn around, my feet are on solid ground. Someday I'll wear a crown. Oh, what a change. There's been a change in me. There's been a change in me. This is what the whole message I wanted to bring out this morning was. There's been a change in me when Jesus comes in and rules. I'd just like to finish off with Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, a well-known Scripture, made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were nature's Nature, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of this great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved. For God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. 
It is a gift of God, not by works, so that anyone can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thank you, Jesus. Could I have the, the band back up again? Would you be able to do that first song again, please? That, you know, just as the seed of God's word came about because of what Jesus did on the cross, when a grain falls to the ground and dies and grows in new, new life, this is what Jesus did for us. We are to die to our old way of life, fall to the ground and allow the Holy Spirit to bring new life out of us, new life through the blood of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for that new life you give to us. We thank you, Lord, that you're the one who's seen us in our lost and, lost and dead past to sinful life and you came and you raised up your son to make a way for us who died on that cruel cross, who rose to life and went back to heaven. You sent your Holy Spirit to us to bring regeneration in our lives. And this is our heart's desire, Father, that we will serve you all the days of our lives. For those who want to... Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.